How far off are the New York Giants from getting back on track? We're talking that, plus we'll hear about a relatively new medical procedure for knee issues with former NFL defensive player turned broadcaster Solomon Wilcox. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if their first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, P. Train, credentialed member of the New York Giants media covering the Giants for Lockdown and, of course, over for Giants Country. And thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day, or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And on today's Lockdown Giants podcast, as promised, I have Solomon Wilcox, former NFL defensive back. He's also a broadcaster. And we're going to talk a little bit about Giants football, and then we're going to pivot towards uh, a little later on in the show. We've got a very special guest who's going to join us, who is going to talk about a special medical procedure, a groundbreaking medical procedure that can help athletes as well as us humans, our normal humans <laughs> who have knee issues. Uh, so we're going to be joined by him a little later on the show. This is a really cool procedure that we're going to talk about later on. So hope you will stick around for that. And Solomon, thank you so much as always for joining me. It's always a pleasure to have you. Well, Patricia, it's always great to be on with you and I appreciate you having me on today. Anytime, my friend, anytime. So Solomon, let's get to right to work here. The New York Giants coming off a disappointing six and 11 season the year before nine and nine, seven and one playoff bound. When you look at this Giants team, what, are they closer to being? Are they closer to being that nine, seven, and one team, or the six and eleven team, or are they somewhere in the in the middle? Would you say? I would say somewhere in the middle, um, and close to maybe that nine, um, seven, and one team. Uh, they, I think, they have a really good coach in Brian Dable. I'm totally on board with uh, the way that he coaches, the way that he helps players to improve. I think we've seen repeatedly in both seasons there are moments where he can get. Um, the performance out of players that is beyond what we would say beyond expectation, right? Um, what he did with, you know, Tommy DeVito, um, for instance, and to be able, it's like players enjoy playing for him and he's able to tap into whatever it is they may have deep down inside as a coach. That's what our, their jobs are is to pull that out of players. And um, you could see it from player to player and from time to time, he has the ability to, to leverage that. And that's what really, what coaching is really about. Now, if they go out and can get him some talent, um, I think you'll see his teams play at a, at a very high level. Solomon, having been in an NFL locker room during your playing career, you have obviously experienced the highs and the lows with winning and losing the giants with having had more losing this past year. There was some reports of friction, some reports of Dable's temper being a problem and whatnot. Is that overblown in your opinion, or is that something that just needs to be watched? I think it's something that just has to be watched. Uh, he's, for one, he's a good coach everywhere he's been, uh, and he's been able to get the best 
out of players. Um, you go back to, say, Josh Allen, a young player who developed, right, out of the University of Wyoming. We didn't know if he could play on the big stage, and he blossomed under under Daybo. And more than that, after Daybo left, we saw this plateau, right, and maybe even some regression. And I think with Joe Brady coming back in, un, you know, sort of taking the shackles off of Allen and saying, no, don't play careful. Everybody's talking about you got to be careful. Don't get hurt. He's the quarterback. And and then it was really about what Dabo did with him in the early days. Go out and be you. Go out and be you and play with the swagger. And there are certain coaches who know how to unlock that kind of freedom in players. I think Dabo is that kind of guy. Now, it comes with pressing the right buttons. Um, you can hear this from players, Patricia, every now and then. They You'll hear it. Oh, it's too much. Oh, he, you know, he, no. It's like the best college professors you had when you were in school. During your formative years of growth, it is the ones who were the most demanding that got the most out of you. And while you may not have enjoyed it during the process, you sit here today having really thanking those professors or those teachers or those people who pushed you the hardest to make you what you are today. So, yes, there's all to me, if you're the front office for the Giants, I don't want to hear complaining. I, I don't want to hear anyone complaining about, oh, he's a little harsh or he's a little. Pr-. No, it's his job to push to poke, to prod, and to make you uncomfortable. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, if you if you want that, then you should probably find somewhere else to play. But I can tell you, the best coaches, you typically are going to be uncomfortable. They're not here to make you comfortable. They're here to get the most out of you. And, and coaches who really are poking and prodding and pushing and being demanding – they tend to get the most out of the players. And usually when the careers are over and you're checking your resume for Pro Bowls and championships, you're going back to thank them later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with it. All right. Now that said, there is a possibility. The Giants already, you know, they fired the special teams coordinator, Thomas McGahee. Wink Martindale resigned. There is a chance that uh, offensive coordinator Mike Kafka might move on. How dangerous is that for Dable to start all over again with three new coordinators? Well, look, let's start with the defensive coordinator. It's probably good because there were some serious issues there, and I'm not here to blame anyone, but it, I, you, you're, you know, you remember the '85 Bears, right? You remember that mm-hmm. that Super Bowl, and why I was a big fan of Buddy Ryan. I was not a fan of how. Uh, players carry two coaches off, right, after the Super Bowl. Now, that tells you something, Patricia. And from – and look, I love the the Ryan boys. We know Wink Martindale and the Ryan boys. They have a good relationship. They have this swagger about them. They have a way of getting players to play hard for them too. But he's the head coach. You're not. You're a coordinator. That's your boss. And there's no way you're going to divide the team with this us versus them mentality during practices in the building. That 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 kind of conversation cannot be tolerated. Look, I play defense in this league. I know what that looks like. I've 
I've been around where I've seen that happen. And uh, it gets overzealous. And next thing you know, you got one guy hurting one of your your own teammates. He's a, Yes, he's on offense. And uh, you can't be going at it to the point where we have two teams wearing the same jersey. And when you get a coordinator in your building who does not understand that and begin to sort of drill in a way and lead to this competitive mindset where it's us versus them, but you're in the same building, well, no, we can't have that. We can't have that. So so I, I think there were some corrective measures, so I'm not concerned about uh, having to start all over in that area. Okay, and and at the end of the day, Brian Dabo's his own coordinator. <laughs> so that that's what kind of coach you got. You got a guy who he can overcome these kinds of setbacks because they're not real setbacks. To be to be honest with you, you can go get a defense coordinator who's really good at what he does, but also he understands the unity of team. You can go get another offense coordinator to help you assist because. You're really your own offense coordinator, like a Kyle Shanahan is his own. Uh, a Sean McVay. How many coordinators have McVay lost, by the way? <laughs> it's like every year they plug his guy to get a head coaching job or something. So uh, depending on the system that you run where you're the head coach, but you're your own offensive coordinator, um, and this is not a it, it's not a concern that rises to the level where you have to really worry about it. Hey, Giant fans, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring that bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Solomon, one of the big divisive players uh, amongst the fan base, Daniel Jones. Now, some people will say he can't show anything because he's played behind a, you know, a bad offensive line, a historically bad offensive line, gave up the second most sacks in league history, 85 last year. Some people say that he regressed. When you look at Daniel Jones and the, the limited playing time he had before the neck injury, did he regress? And do you think he's still the answer moving forward? I think all of the above is true. I think bad offensive lines. So, um, you know, you have to play a style of play where you're running all the RPOs and you're going to have to be a part runner, part passer. So you're going maybe you regress on some throws on progressionary reads because you're not doing enough of that. And then when you get hurt, you know, people don't understand when players play hurt, you're limited. And when you're limited, you're not as good as you, you would love you would like to be because you're not participating in practices. There are some limitations in terms of what you can do during the week. And you're probably going to experiencing uh, experience some regression. 
So to say that about Daniel Jones, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that in a very strong manner, but I don't think you can avoid that conversation either. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, the other guys that came behind him end up getting hurt too because they're playing behind the same offensive line. So um, this is a this was a teardown. You remember when Joe Shane first came over, and then obviously Dave Bowl came over. Um, very uh, strapped when it came to salary cap. Uh, you're having to cut players like James Bradbury, who you would love to keep, but you, you know you need cap room. This was a team that was going to regress before it was ever going to go the other way, and and you kind of now have lived through the two lean years of of cap reduction and things of that nature. And now I think heading into 2024, you ought to see a more positive change. You ought to see a little more growth. Um, I do think uh, 2022 was an aberration from just the players because you were still going to undergo some some um, some player retention problems. Some guys are going to be leaving. You're going to be bringing in new guys, even though you went 9-7-1 when it wasn't expected. So they're starting now to be able to start to build the team and have the resources, right? to build the team that they want. I, it's no doubt in my mind, I think they have the coach that they can uh, that they can do that with. With Jones, though, he's coming off an ACL. He's had two neck injuries in the last three years. Yeah. The Giants are sitting sixth in the draft order. Golden opportunity, if they want to, to get a franchise quarterback. Which direction do you think makes the best sense for them, given all those circumstances? Look, I... You can go get another quarterback, but I, last I checked, that quarterback is going to play behind a bad offensive line. And you're you're not – what, are you going to keep one and keep them both probably? But you're not getting better in other areas. I do think there comes a time where you've got to start to build a team. And you can't be worried because the guy you have can, can play. Now can he win when everything's right around him? Well, you can't even get right around him because you're still chasing quarterback even though you already have a quarterback. Um, and at some point, you got to start building a team. I think sometimes we become so enamored with, let's go get a quarterback, let's let's go get a quarterback. We'll leverage everything to go get a quarterback. And if you were to talk to that specific quarterback, he said, well, who who am I throwing to? Uh, who Who's blocking for me? Oh, you mean I don't have a defense to play complimentary football with? Okay, that's where quarterbacks go to die. Trust me, because they cannot do it by themselves. So I think the Giants would be prudent to start to collect other assets on the roster, build a good roster. And then let's and, and say, okay, we got a guy that we can get about we can get by with for now. So what he's not a promised, you know, second coming of the greatest thing ever. Let's just stick with what we got. Remember, we have a coach that gets the best out of players, right? And let's build a roster. How, how about that? That's it. Because last I checked, it's the best teams that win Super Bowls. Oh, by the way, and the quarterback can look even better when he's on a really good team that has a good offensive line, good running game, good receivers around him, good tight end, good defense, good takeaways, put him on a short field, um, playing complimentary style of ball. I, I think they would be uh, very wise to start team building at this point. You're listening to the Locked On Giants podcast with Patricia Trainer, special guest Solomon Wilcox. And coming up in a little bit, 
We're going to talk about a new surgical procedure, relatively new. It's been around for about seven, eight years that helps patients with knee issues. And we're actually going to have a patient joining us who had this procedure. It's called Macy. And we're going to talk about that a little later on in the podcast. But Solomon, I've got to ask you about Saquon Barkley, because next to Daniel Jones, that's another guy who seems to have split the fan base as to what they should do. Should they franchise tag him? Should they tag and trade him? Should they let him walk? What should they do about him? Can Saquon Barkley be a part of this team? Or do you think he's just at this point, do you move on and, and say, look, we need the draft assets. Let's just move on. We can't build around a running back and let's go in a different direction. Yeah, I think it's hard to build around a running back. I think it's hard to say you're our guy. Let's wait till we get the rest of the team. And to be honest with you, I think Saquon is probably need to have a, a deeper conversation with himself and with people who are, um, who have a greater understanding of, look, remember when uh, Christian McCaffrey was playing with the Carolina Panthers? What if he would have dug in and say, hey, this is the team I want to be on. I don't want to be with anyone. He'd be marooned on, on that team right now. Instead, no, he's playing, getting ready to play in a Super Bowl. And they made a trade uh, during the 2022 season. We knew that his career was getting ready to go. And by the way, he's impacted that team. That's what happens when you take a transcendent talent like a Saquon Barkley and let's get him on a him out because the alternative is what you see with Derrick Henry. Great player stuck on a bad roster on a team going nowhere. And by the time the Giants become what ultimately you hope they would become, They'll, they'll be ready to put Saquon out to pasture. You and I both know it. And so the adult conversation in the room is like, hey, uh, we're not ready to take advantage of your talent is, is in a way that's going to allow us to win games on a week-to-week basis. As much as we would love to keep you, Saquon, we're probably better off your, probably better off playing elsewhere. Now, get together with your people. Tell us what teams you want to play for, where you'd like to be. And we'll, we're going to, we believe you have earned the right to be on a winning team. Right now, we can't offer you that. Now, that's, that's a cool thing to do. But guess what? That's what the Panthers did for Christian McCaffrey. Um, that's what I've seen teams do it with. That's what J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans, when he wanted out, they he's like, okay, we'll see where you want to be. I want to go to Arizona. Okay. Because Arizona, you thought, was going this way with Kyler Murray at the time. And DeAndre Hopkins, they end up flatlining a little bit that year. The point is, players who are well-respected within the organizations, who have laid it on the line for the city, the team, and the town, um, those conversations, I think, are appropriate. And and I, to be honest with you, and then you want to get some draft assets, right? Because the team has to win. they got to get something out of it. I do think there's a scenario where there's a win, and, and we've seen that. Doesn't have to be one person win, one person loses, the team loses while the player win. No, we're talking about something that's mutually beneficial for the team and the player. Solomon, one more football question before we transition over to the discussion about Macy. Um, I want to ask you about Kayvon Thibodeau. He was another guy who kind of was like a lightning rod in the beginning of the year. You know, there was questions about, is he ever going to live up to his potential? He went and he logged 11 and a half sacks, but people argue that he wasn't consistent. When you look at him, 
what does he need to do to take his game to that next level where he can become more consistent? Um, he's good speed. Uh, he can turn the corner. He can get around the edges. If you use him in games where he comes back underneath and he's playing off someone, then he can really do those deals. Um, winning just consistently one-on-one battles, particularly on up and under move, that's where he can get a little bit better. Come, he's he's a really good player, by the way. He is the guy you want. But problem is, is that there's no multiple guys on. If you look at the real great rushers, that every year, uh, you know, say like a, a Miles Garrett, they've had another interior guy or another guy on the edge that you can play off of. J.J. Um, Watts had that. T.J. Watt has it uh, in Cam Hayward another prominent guy on the inside or on that line that you really need to have because other than that, they can slide the line toward Kevon. And he's not a real big guy. He's a speed edge talented guy. But when you can double team or slide the line towards him, you can neutralize him. Maybe he'll get you 10 sacks, but you know, still uh, it's about total pressures and being able to generate pressure on a consistent basis. So there are some things that he can do better. There's also some things the team could do better to help um, generating an overall pass rush, right? That, and he's part of that, but there's no way you're going to have one guy that that really your pass rush is one guy. You just can't have it. You're going to need other components. You need blitzers. You need to be able to, to leverage other players uh, to help have a consistent pass rush throughout a 17-game season. It can't just be built around one guy. All right, Giant fans, coming up, we're going to talk with Solomon Wilcox and a special guest. His name is Chris. He's a gentleman who had Macy surgery. So we're going to have that for you in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And speaking of which, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for who scores a touchdown, total point scores, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins, head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. And now, as promised, we're going to talk about a new surgical procedure for patients who have knee issues. It's called Macy, M-A-C-I, and there'll be information linked in the show notes if you want to find out more about it. And Solomon, I'd like to start with you. You know, as a former player, you probably had some knee issues over the course of your career and whatnot. Why did you decide to, you know, involve yourself with this procedure and what can you tell us about it initially? Well, Patricia, really roughly about 12 million people annually find themselves going into a doctor office complaining of some kind of knee pain or knee issue. Uh, most of the time, about half the time, uh, that it, you're dealing with some kind of cartilage issue. 
So what if I told you that there's this new innovative treatment by by a company by the name of Vericell, and the name of this new innovative treatment is called Macy, where they can take your existing healthy tissue, your healthy cartilage, uh, put it on a collagen membrane, and they can grow it and then go back in and relay it. It adheres to the healthy tissue and to the bone, and it keeps you from deteriorating to that state where you're you know, rubbing bone on bone. And now you can regain your vitality. You can uh, regain a lot of the things that you're used and accustomed to doing. And that's why I brought a good friend with me, uh, Chris, who's a patient ambassador um, for Macy. And uh, Chris, why don't you tell everyone about your situation, about the Macy procedure and how it's impacted your life? Certainly. Uh, yeah, as you described, it's, it's basically like, uh, like filling a pothole in the knee. And I had some really big potholes. So uh, by the time I was 25, uh, I was taking daily anti-inflammatory medication. Uh, I was in the military at the time and I was hiding a knee brace under my uniform because I didn't want people to, to see how broken down I had become. And I thought it was just something everybody dealt with and that I was having trouble handling it. It wasn't for a number of years until I, I finally went in and got myself checked out because I was having trouble going down the stairs. I couldn't do all the activities uh, that I like to do. I couldn't uh, play in a, a pickup basketball game. I couldn't uh, um, even squat anymore. Uh, running became a challenge and then jogging became a challenge. And then just simply walking around was painful every day. And uh, so I finally got it checked out and I discovered that I had some, some pretty severe cartilage damage. Um, I decided I need to do something about it. In my, in my late twenties, by then, um, I, I decided I'm not going to give up on all these activities that bring me so much joy. Right. And further to that, I, I wanted to continue serving my country. And that was a problem. I left the military and I was in, in school and, uh, considering where I was going to go in life. And all of a sudden my options were becoming more and more limited. Um, so I went in and I got an MRI done, uh, confirmed that it was indeed, uh, this, this cartilage defect looked at options, uh, with a surgeon. And at the time there, there weren't many, um, uh, I could get a cadaver tissue put in there, or I could get a full knee replacement. Neither option would provide me the opportunity to get back to, uh, hundred percent. Right. And the doctor straight up said, you're never going to run again get used to swimming uh, or maybe a stationary bike. And for me, that, that wasn't good enough. So I sought a second opinion, found a great surgeon um, in, a, in a hospital um, in the DC area. And he told me about Macy, which I'd never heard of. Uh, so he, he basically took out the uh, a paperwork uh, in the office, drew out what the procedure consisted of and uh, used that metaphor about the potholes, right? And he said, this could get you to 100%. He couldn't make any promises. Everybody's different. Everybody's experience is going to be different. But that was enough for me to make the decision to, to proceed. And it took about one year um, after the first surgery. I did both of my knees, by the way, eight weeks apart, um, which was not easy. I'll be honest with you. Uh, that recovery period was, was pretty intense. But at the end of one year, my goal was to be able to complete the, uh, the PT test uh, for the military and be able to go serve again. And at the one year mark, I did it. 
and I passed, uh, you know, not with flying colors. Okay. I was like probably 80 percentile at that time. Uh, but I did it and I reached a full recovery. Um, right now. I, so I did it when I was, uh, 28 years old. Uh, I'm 36 now. Um, and I'm feeling great. And actually I, I just finally went back into the military. Uh, so I'm serving again and I'm fully capable and it changed my life. Well, Chris, we certainly appreciate your service. Let me just say that. Let me ask you this, if I could, you know, a lot of things when people have surgery, the big question is, is how long is my rehab going to be? Especially, you know, if you're talking about an athlete who just, you know, they want to get out back on the field yesterday, as I'm sure Solomon could attest to. I know everybody is different. It depends maybe on your age, your physical condition, but what can you tell us about the rehab process? Are there certain milestones that you, that you aim for and how long, you know, did the doctors tell you, you know, best case scenario versus worst case scenario? That's a great question. And as a patient ambassador, I, I do feel calls with uh, people considering the procedure quite often. And that's something that a lot of people ask, like, what are some of these milestones you hit? And, and for me, the mental game was really important. Um, of course, I mean, you can, you can make sure you got your nutrition taken care of and you're keeping up with the rehab, but it's important to stay focused and disciplined. And for me, every, every little step was, was huge. For example, um, being able to, to conduct a, or to complete a straight leg lift. I lost so much muscle in the immediate aftermath that I, I couldn't do that. And it was like relearning that motion, which seems so simple. And then when I was able to lift my leg up, it felt like magic. I was like, wow, I can do this now. And then it was being able to stay up on both feet for five minutes at a time, 10 minutes, an hour, then a full day. And then I'm walking around the block, um, being able to get in my car and drive around. That was huge. I think the, uh, the biggest step was about six weeks in uh, or six weeks out rather, um, I was able to get on the stationary bike and do a full rotation. That was a huge step for me. And I'm not, I don't even enjoy the stationary bike, but what really, really uh, uh, set everything in motion from there was being able to add that resistance to the bike. And then I could, I could feel my muscles coming back and regaining that strength. And then it was exponential. Uh, the recovery period after that, it was just, from there, I was uh, I was cranking it up to level 10. And then I was able to start jogging again a little bit, uh, not pushing it too hard. And then, like I said, at the year mark, finally, I was able to run um, full send. And then I was doing box jumps and uh, snowboarding and skydiving and whatever I wanted to do and uh, unlimited. Chris, obviously, everybody is different. You know, some people don't trust the newer um, medical procedures. Some people want the old fashioned whatnot, but for somebody who might be in a, in a similar condition as you were with regards to the knee, what would you tell them in regards to making a decision, whether to pursue Macy or, you know, go, go in a different direction? What factors did you put, you know, consider when you were, you know, considering your treatment? Well, I could, I think that ties into the second part of your question, which I don't think I actually addressed was, was like uh, the expected timeline. And obviously they're going to tell us, you know, uh, for example, it was prepare for about eight weeks of, of no weight bearing. That was, that's a big commitment on its own. I'm going to go do this procedure and then I'm going to prepare to be basically down for the count for eight whole weeks where I'm immobile and I might need uh 
care. I might need friends and family to help me out with things. Uh, my timeline was a little faster. Um, and that might've been a product of my youth and my prehab. I went into it um, in the best shape that I could. Um, but everybody's results are going to be different, obviously. I think that to answer this question, um, the decision point was I looked at all the options and nothing else provided that potential for a full recovery. And that's what sold it for me. Um, but it was a challenge of, of timing. Like, do I wait and do it uh, later on down the road when I absolutely can't move at all and there's no other option? Or do I just knock it out now? Um, my only regret in this is that I didn't do it sooner. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, that decision ultimately was, was uh, because I, I was considering going into a certain uh, other employment where they required a, a high degree of physical activity. And I was really passionate about it and I wasn't able to do it. So that was enough to make the change. Like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm going to go for and something needs to be done. I'm just going to do it now. All right. Now, I don't know if, if you can answer this question or Solomon can answer it, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway. Obviously this sounds like a really big breakthrough, if you will, for athletes who have the the wearing down of the knee cartilage, you know, from the running and the pounding and, and not just football players, you know, basketball, any, anybody who does any kind of stopping, starting motion or whatnot. That being said, are there statistics as far as, you know, this, the incorporating of this procedure in sports medicine that you guys know of? And if so, is there a success rate or, or is that data available? Do you know that data? Uh, no, what we would tell you is that this is a procedure that has been approved by the FDA for people between the age of 25 and 55. It's only for the knee. And really, you should go to the website at Macy.com uh, to consult with your doctor um, and to get a better feel for if it's right for you. Every single person is different, right? Every injury is different. Every defect is different. So, uh, that's what we would suggest is to go to the website to find a doctor in your area at Macy.com, M-A-C-I.com. Um, and it, that really, those questions are are better answered by the doctors. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming on, sharing information about Macy. And again, folks, we will link the information in the show notes. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Giants. I'm Patricia Trainer for Solomon Wilcox and for Chris. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again tomorrow, Giant fans.